0: Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. McKee
1: the middle. They play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh,
0: he's a one-man wrecking crew! Holiday. shot clock down to six, finds Warren.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you haven't already, be sure to read us over at Indy Cornrows. Of course, rate us over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we always want to hear from you, get any of your feedback, I, and I want to know what you think of the pod. Uh, I've been putting a lot of work into it. Um, I, I It's basically my unmitigated thoughts, and I bring people on to, to give theirs as well. So um, just let me know what you think. Uh, it's all gonna crash and
0: burn right now.
1: Exactly. You know what? It can, can, can only go down from here. I don't know if you're, you're a SpongeBob person, but uh, basically, when uh, the fire goes off in in the office in his head, like he's having a dream, and there's this fire going off, and it's just all these other sponges running around. Uh, it's a great <laughs> analogy. I'll 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 will I'll, uh, I'll send the video to you later. But um, if you didn't hear already, I mean that's that's Dave Searle, my guy. We uh we have a lot to talk about today, um, including. A little bit of a wing controversy that I may or may not have uh, partaken in starting. <laughs> uh, it, it may have completely uh, lit the match, fanned the flames, and then watched in, in, in glee as it burned. But, um, Dave, but if are you're going you to. If you're going to cook something with fire you're going to get a uh, much tastier result if you use
0: real chicken wings and bonus lanes i would say that's uh it's a good segue into uh that kind of yeah, I'm, I'm doing great um i i do hope that you get even more success with your podcast i just want to warn you i've taken down one podcast and i can i can do another one too
1: so uh i could bring it to a grinding halt we'll <laughs> see what happens here oh man oh man well hey man you're this is like your fifth or sixth time on so it's got to be uh the, that's right it's, it's, that's it's a success. good point i think you are <laughs> you might be my most recent most uh most recurring guest on the indy no. podcast so well, I'm, um, I'm honored hey, exactly see that, that's what we're all about um do it now we'll, we'll save the wing debate till the end i actually had a question that I i had to ask you because i know that you're a hip-hop head too okay if you could only listen to one album from the 90s for the rest of your life what would it be Oh, does it uh, does it does it have to be? It doesn't have um, to be. Well, well, yeah, hip-hop. I mean, yeah, '90s hip hop. Oh,
0: um, it'd probably be "It Takes a Nation of Millions Would be my pick. I think
1: uh, maybe "The Low End Theory." One of those two. "Low End Theory" is fantastic. And it, it, actually, like, wait, I listen it to long, of, What's low low that? In theory, I thought "Low End Theory" is 1980. Is it '89 for "Low
0: End"? I don't theory? think so. That was '90s. I gotta look um, it up. Or is it 1990? Correct well, me if I'm wrong. wrong but my I know I wasn't born yet, like,
1: yet. But you know, I you know uh, it's, it kind of blurs together a little bit. I mean, I'm looking it up. I don't think it. Oh, it is 1991. Okay. There you go. I'm thinking. Okay. Wow. I can't believe I was wrong on that. Amazing. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think what I would choose. Why would you choose uh, those? I mean, Low End Theory is fantastic. That was actually first vinyl I ever bought. So.
0: Well, it, and it's actually kind of funny because I'm realizing that Nation of Millions is what 89, right? So yeah. it actually wasn't 90s either. So I'm, uh, I, I'm dating myself there a little bit. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but uh, Low End Theory, I, you know, it's just. Um, uh, I, I don't know if I could put a good figure. Of that it's just it's 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 great from from front to back. It has one of my favorite interest songs of all time. You know, we hear the dum 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 every single time. It just kind of gets me going, and and you know, it, it never lets up. It's uh, that uh, um, I I listen to a lot of jazz too. Um, obviously, um, a lot of hip hop artists incorporate jazz uh, into their music, but uh, very few. Uh, more than tribe. And so uh, that intersection is, you described me as a hip hop head, but uh, you know, maybe a little bit more uh, rough than hip hop, but um, that, uh, that jazz connection is is the final piece that, that makes it for me.
1: Yeah. Jazz is fantastic. man. I really enjoy Miles Davis. I started listening to a uh, um, guy's name, Robert Glasper. I'd never heard of him before um, until a couple of months ago, but he'd had like an, a whole album. That's like a, he brought on uh, other, he brought on rappers and he, added more beats to uh to a lot of miles davis samples um really good uh i've been enjoying a lot of his stuff but no if i had to do one 90s album it would probably be the infamous because i love mob deep um as much as i like tupac i really do hate that he had to kill mob deep like that and hit him up <laughs> um i always pretend that i like just miss that part at the beginning because I, I don't like mob deep dissing uh but no I, I think to me that's my favorite album front to back of all time. Like. I think havoc is like maybe the best producer that people never talk about. Like he was so good. Um, and he was a fine rapper too. Like he actually had a really good album. He did an album with the alchemist called the silent partner, uh, probably two or three years ago. And he just raps on the entire thing. And Al- I love alchemist. I mean, he's one of my favorite producers and he does all the beats on it, but yeah, it would be that for me. Um, the, the Pacers have not had a great season front to back, uh, and I'm just interested, I want to get some of your thoughts on, on how the team has played so far and, and what you've seen and what you hope to see the rest of the year. Um, I think the first question I would ask, because all these people on Twitter are asking me, did the Pacers make the right hire in hiring Nape Yorkrin?
0: <laughs> well, okay, so first of all, it's um, a big TBD, um, you know, if you follow. Thank you. Uh, uh, through the podcast and th- through me on Twitter, um, it I didn't really land on a very firm decision on Nick McMillan until like last year. You know, like there's a whole lot that goes into coaching that we never ever see. Yep. Um, and you know, you're a fan. Say what you want to say. I mean, that's not what I'm. I'm not trying to censor anybody or telling people how they want to think or whether communicate. No, we're From here for perspective. We're here ah, that's for, right. for gatekeeping. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you you do you, but for me, it's um, I don't ever feel comfortable until we get a whole lot of information about um, you know what's going on behind the scenes a little bit obviously what the product is on the core you know things that we can examine like rotations. It, rotations matter and we should pay attention to them. but I think people hyper focus on them a little bit because it's something that they can observe. Uh, Whereas maybe their demeanor in a film session probably means a little bit more than like the specific minute allocation or like exactly when the next uh, player checks into the game. Um, You know, I think that there's an outsized importance uh, placed on that just because we can see it, you know, and it's something that we can um, uh, make a decision about, but um, it's just big giant TBD. I mean, we're in the spot again, and it feels, you know, right before we started recording, I mentioned the fact that the coronavirus. And I, I don't want to draw, you know, the current advice has killed a lot of people. It's a very serious thing. But like in in how it relates to us um, uh, and in every day-to-day level where it's just everything feels like it's on hold, that we don't know exactly when things are going to get back to normal, and there's a little bit of a mental strain that kind of comes with that. I can't help but thinking that that's probably affecting the Pacers a little bit um, where each year they came in with a projected starting lineup and like we've barely seen it ever at any point and even in this season it's like okay maybe we're going to finally get it and then of course tj warren can't really play and then oladipo is resting back to back so then of course the trade happens and you think okay lavert's gonna be second. And then we all know what's going on with lavert so i mean when's the last time we actually saw the pacers for like five games in a row do the thing that they wanted to do i mean It's been like four years so it's you know I I, just like it was very hard to get a really firm reading on 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 nate mcmillan until we had. You know, uh, many years of evidence built up otherwise it is way too early to say very much about nate bureaucrat one thing that I think is kind of funny is that people will say nate will do things that are revolutionary that are outside the box that are things that other coaches might not do. He will tinker, he will make adjustments, and then they'll put like lamb at the forward like, oh, it didn't work. I'm like, well, I mean, the reason why a lot of coaches don't do a lot of stuff like that is because when it doesn't work, it's a big highlighter on you. Yeah, like yeah. you made an unconventional decision and it didn't work. Um, and, and, you know, having that kind of backlash to any kind of new idea that doesn't work is what stops new ideas from happening in the first place. And so that happens in all industries. And of course, that's happening maybe a little bit here um, uh, with uh, evaluating uh, Nate B. It's like you can't have somebody who's going to tinker, experiment, think outside the box and then also not make mistakes therein. Now, their mistakes, call them mistakes and highlight it and say, if you know the mistakes outweigh the good, then maybe that's an idea that this isn't the guy that's uh, that should be leading the team long term. But I just don't think we have enough evidence towards that. Um, you know, it's how many times I've followed teams that have struggled. Um, Every time something happens, like a big major injury or a big major change and you think, oh, geez, they're going to struggle for a while. Or maybe the schedule turns and it's like brutal for three weeks. Every time you go into it, people say, oh, they're going to struggle. Just remember that. And then you get into it and then there's bad passes and there's turnovers and there's missed shots. And people are like, well, we knew they were going to struggle, but, you know, they're making all these mistakes and it's losing is ugly. It's always ugly. No one no one loses pretty, you know, like struggles always look like struggles, you know, it's what it looks like when a team goes through a losing streak is that they play stretches of bad basketball, you know, even when teams go on winning streaks, there'll be five minute chunks where they don't play good basketball. I mean, that's just how the sport works. So um, I hate that give that kind of answer of, you know, TBD, but I think that they've earned that, you know, new coach, middle of pandemic. There's no fans. TJ Warren's is not playing. Levert's supposed to come in and he ends up getting a uh, diagnosed with the cancer. I mean, it's just, um, uh, I hate to kind of put that stamp on it, but it, we just don't really know that much about what the Indiana Pacers are yet. I think, and just because they've done an amazing kind of unprecedented job, I think well, not, not unprecedented. That's a little strong, but an amazing job going through injuries, playing shorthanded and keeping the ship afloat and winning games. They've done that in the past doesn't mean you should kind of hold it against them a little bit that they're struggling and limping into the all-star break a little bit. Um, uh, t- teams that are disadvantaged struggled. I mean, you know, it, it's, it can be as simple as that, I think.
1: Yeah. No, I think you bring up a lot of great points and I want to echo right away. Like you said, um, I have already gotten a little bit tired of the uh, people saying that Nate Bjorkman, even questioning if Nate Bjorken was, was the right hire. Like I get um, there have been things that are a little bit questionable, um, I'm writing about it right now. I'm writing kind of just like a where is the team at right now and top to bottom. Um, and like you mentioned, I mean, my entire part that's just on evaluating Nate and I'm like, I have no idea. Like, he's done some of the things that I think you really were hoping to see. Like, in, in some regards, the offense has been more dynamic, but it's really bogged down recently. But also, I mean, Karis Levert and TJ Warren, who I, I don't want to use that as a crutch. I think some people say that as in, like, oh, you're making excuses it's basketball. There are 10 players on the court. If two of the best ones are not on it, it's going to have an impact in a a negative way. Um, And I think we've really seen that with especially the offense also on the defensive side. But I think the defense is where I have more questions than the offense right now. Um, I lean a lot more like, okay, the process for some of these things is more important than the results. Because right now, you don't have the guys who you're expecting to have out there to get the results that you would expect from this roster. But is the process good? And I think offensively you see more often than not, the process is better than it was last year. At least there is more um, nuance to it. Um, but then the defense, like, like we've mentioned, there's even then it's hard because th- this is what I've been trying to parse through for like the last couple of days. Like, uh, I mean, Nape Bjorkman came in, wanted to run a, a pretty aggressive malleable scheme, uh, and had this vision for what the team was going to look like with this scheme. And currently they're three players short of that. If you really think about it, because he came in thinking he was going to have Victor Oladipo. He did. They actually had the ninth ranked defense to start the year through the 11 games that he played, obviously pretty good. Um, Again, small sample size, but it's enough of a sample size to say, Hey, we're doing something here. Um, But then you lose Victor. You obviously lose TJ uh, shortly before Victor gets traded. and then obviously Karras has not come back. So you're you're missing two guys out of your starting lineup. You don't have a lot of the um, the key guys who you thought you were going to have. So how do you even change up the, a, an entire scheme in the middle of a, a year when practice really is not a thing? Like there is practice, but not to the same level that, that there usually is. And at the same time, do you keep what you have going and just say, okay, we're going to keep working on this until – our guys get back and maybe we'll make a few small tweaks here, but this is what we're envisioning when everyone's here and we're going to wait and we're going to run that still right now until they get back. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's the only thing that I think you could really question. Like are there some like low hanging fruit things that could be adjusted here? Like you mentioned, like playing Jeremy Lamb at the four, like that's pretty not has not worked well. (laughs) Um, And still gets run. But again, at the same time, I mean, who else is going to play the four unless they want to play Jakar Sampson, which has not really been a thing this year. Um, But exactly. It's it's been 36 games, like 35 games. There's not enough evidence to suggest that somebody should or shouldn't be fired.
0: Definitely not. And, you know, it's we are at the All Star break, but obviously there's been a lot fewer games played than there typically is. At this particular uh, juncture, Um, one thing that I think is kind of interesting in a very fundamental way is that Nate McMillan's criticism almost entirely was that he didn't do things. And the criticism against Bjorkert is that he's doing too many things that aren't working, uh, which I think is sort of interesting. That was supposed to be the reason why he was a good hire anybody who would yell about the fact that Nate mcmillan was terrible and that it was stupid and that anybody with half a brain could switch him would say that you need somebody that's going to try innovative ideas um uh and it's kind of funny that that's sort of the thing that's also kind of um uh, getting a nate bjerker in, in trouble right now but it is kind of funny that it's hey you're not doing anything like hey you're doing way too much um you know it's uh, winning cures all really um the uh the weird stretches of you know, if T.J. McConnell plays uh, 46 minutes and they win, Ugh. then you're like, "Oh, wow! You know, he's he's a maverick. He he understood that they he, he that he was the only guy being effective right then, and he was going to uh you know give him extra burn that night. And a lot of coaches wouldn't have done that, but he had the guts to do it. You know, but it's um it ends up being a, a feather in your cap when you win, but it ends up being something you point out when you lose. And um I just just think that the Pacers have so many versatile offensive players can do so many interesting things on offense. And then when you have a full boat, uh, they don't have that superstar uh, uh, that they can give the ball every single time and create big mismatches on offense, just by sake of having them on the floor, like James Harden or whatever you want to have. They really need those five guys. They're superstars. The fact that they have five excellent uh, players in the starting lineup. And um, it's kind of interesting in that, You know, if James Harden goes down on the Rockets, that really, really affects the Rockets. But when you don't have that full starting five with the Pacers together, that's like having a superstar injury, I think, in my in my mind. You know, they're better than the sum of their parts because they've got, you know, five guys that are B plus, A minus players all playing at the same time. Uh, one or two of those guys goes down and and that is definitely the equivalent of like a major injury. And um, we just don't know. I'm excited to see what will happen when they all get together. I just don't know when it's going to be. Sounds like LaVert's maybe back sooner rather than later. I I don't know how to get a good read on that. Yeah. I don't think that they can say very much out loud about his recovery in a way, because it is an injury that is (laughs) an injury. Uh, right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Obviously, that's it's a whole different thing than um I believe that they have some uh leeway to be able to talk about ACL uh, tears or something in public. But when it comes to kind of a conscious surgery, I mean, that's a HIPAA protected thing. That's my understanding of the situation. So I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I think the fact that he's playing one on one should be a, a
1: pretty good sign, don't you think? Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I think that I want to say the star reported that he's going to be back soon after the All-Star break. Awesome. Um, which obviously is coming up. Um, I mean, he's able to play in contact. Now I don't know if he's in full contact practices like five on five right now. Um, but like you mentioned, I mean, he's capable of doing one-on-one stuff. I remember uh, Nate Dworkin talked about how uh, it was the practice after the Cavs game, either right before, or right after the Cavs game, he was going, he went through the entire practice without having to sit out at all. Um, he, he also elaborated like, Hey, this wasn't like a high contact practice, but still progress. Yeah. Um, I think you, I have more questions. Like, I don't know if we're going to see TJ Warren this year. That's just speculation. Um, but just based on how that's come out, I believe he's still in a walking boot. He has not set foot on the, uh, on the hardwood yet. So I don't know. I'm interested to see how that plays out because given the team record and everything and where they're at um, and where they might be headed. I mean, granted anything could, and any number of things could change, but it'll be interesting to see um, how the team, Approaches that because do you if you only have a week to ramp up for the playoffs or or for a playing game, who knows where the team is at? um, Do you still activate TJ? You know, what do you what do you do with that? And I I don't know. So it's an interesting discussion.
0: Yeah. And um, remind me, because they hadn't fleshed out the rest of the schedule until a certain point. When does when did the playoffs actually start this year?
1: I want to say the second week of May. I thought so. I so think it's, it's the second week of May. Yeah, I thought it was
0: May or closer to June. Um, of course, another thing to remember is that there's a little bit more left. You know, you'd be pre- preparing for the, uh, the playoffs a little bit earlier than that, typically. Um, and so in your brain, when you're doing that, you know, there's a kind of a, an institutional memory that I have from NBA seasons past. Like, if you're not healthy by the All-Star break, then you're not going to be ready by, you know but there's a little bit more of a gap between the All-Star break and the, and the playoffs than there typically is. So maybe that's enough to uh, get that going. The fact that they haven't had any of the sort of, um, you know, real firm updates uh, since he got injured, isn't a good sign. It doesn't seem like um, I was always under the impression from the way that they talked about it, that he might have a month or so ramp up before the playoffs. And that was sort of the plan, but I, I don't really know at this point. Um, and it's uh when you don't have that information, obviously, it's um, uh, a cause for concern. Um, I would still put, you know, my $1 bet on Warren being available for the playoffs, though. But uh, I, I don't know at this point.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I think that I'm hopeful that he'll be back, but I'm just, I'm, it's, it's 50-50 at this point. Um Not, not ne- that it's actually uh, 50-50 in my mind, because it's a yes yeah. or no answer. Like, he either yes, he will be there, or no, he won't.
0: I think you're enough into the primes of the best Pacers players that you should get a little bit more aggressive about playing the playoffs when healthy, you know, um, they're still very young. I don't think that you should, you know, it's not like a Kevin Durant situation where, you know, you go out and play um, uh, even though you are severely injured, nothing like that. But, you know, if there is a little bit of a chance of a a longer term um, um, uh, wear on that, the thing about the playoffs is, you know, it's obviously once it's over, the season ends. So, um, I think you can get a little bit more aggressive with that. I wouldn't take a hey, if he's if he's got any sort of risk whatsoever, just sit him and worry about next year. It does feel like the time that they should roll him out if he can, if they can play.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I would agree with that. Um, so next thing I want to ask you, too, what has been, uh, We'll do kind of a two-parter. Uh, number one, what has been kind of your favorite uh, thing that has come out of the season so far on the Pacers' end? Could be, you know, either a player development or, or anything pertaining to the team. I know that's an awfully broad stroke, but <laughs> you're on the spot. That is a very interesting question. Um, I will say the,
0: the, the continued joy of, of watching T.J. McConnell play, I think it would be that I thought I was going to hate him. Like, when he came in, I was like, oh, they're saying this guy. <laughs> I thought, I know, he's like a little like a guy coming off the bench and he's a little bit of a pass, but uh, you know, he he hustles and he makes the right play and like usually those kind of guys aren't the ones that I'm necessarily as interested in. And a lot of times players like that maybe get a little bit overrated. And it, it, it um, is a little bit less of a I want to see really cool basketball plays rather than someone like work a little bit extra hard that's just kind of I, that's what gets me excited is seeing really good uh, passes and good plays. but like. he's he's won me over you know it is it's just fun watching him play and you know he has those, those short little pull up mid range shots a lot of times that stuff kind of drives me nuts, but it's just it works. And the way that he finds people and the way that he kind of moves in space and, you know, slows down a little bit to uh, if, if the defense is rotating in certain a particular way. He's got that body control. He just always seems like he's doing, making the right play. I got I'm surprised at how much of, of a sucker I have been for it. If you look on the, uh, the field house when he like his first couple of games one of the first things that we put up there was why in the world is TJ McConnell getting minutes? They should be giving them the Aaron holiday. And uh, I was, I gave a big thumbs up to that when, when we put that up, but it's just fun and watching him do the the steals um, on inbound passes. And it's just, it's always fun watching him play. And in a season where it's been a little bit of a slog and sometimes it's not been super fun. um, He's probably been the most consistent source of joy uh, for me uh, watching the game and the fact that it's such a big surprise to me um uh that probably be 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 the thing for me
1: yeah yeah tj is an absolute joy to watch and it's like you talked about i think it's not even like the steals or just his ability to hit pull-ups for me like i love um his live dribble ability just like to keep a dribble alive like i, I don't think um at least on the pacers for sure there's nobody who, who's able to keep a, a dribble alive east west like he does like um I think it's such an underrated part of his game and I hate saying under and overrated, but, um, like looking at guys who are able to, like I think a lot gets made out of driving to the rim and driving to the rim is important, but his ability to really extend a possession without turning the ball over by just keeping his dribble alive is fantastic. And I I always enjoy watching that. Um, and his competitiveness too it sounds cliché but like you mentioned like where were you when when he he set the the franchise record for steals and a half like i mean yeah. come on uh that was like i'll never forget watching that i was like what on earth is happening It was just like four or five <laughs> possessions in a row he's just like oh i, I see that cross court pass you're throwing let me take that the other way yeah. um that was it, a fun game yeah you know it's like it sometimes it,
0: it, it, he isn't interesting because he dies for a loose ball And he like got an extra loose ball and then everybody claps. It's just like, okay, cool. I mean, like, yeah, I guess that technically helps the team. Like, Oh, he took an extra charge. It's not that he just makes really awesome basketball plays that uh, seem unlikely uh, that seem to come out of nowhere. He's putting up triple levels. He's getting nine steals in a game. And it's like, he is, he's got that competitive fire. He's got that fun factor to him, but at the same time, he's just also making a lot of really awesome basketball plays. Um, I actually did this, to kind of troll people in my fantasy basketball league, which is weird, but like the group chat that we have involved, I put Draymond Green on the uh the trade block and then I said, Look at his stat line. And actually, what I did is I copied TJ McConnell's stat line because at that point they had almost the exact same production, yeah. you know. Oh, uh, and uh, you know, he's not the same guy as Draymond by any mean shape, or form, but
1: it's you know, he's one of the he's up there in assists, that's incredible. Yeah, no, it's so. kind of ridiculous how high up he's in assists right now, like. In terms yeah. of like bench production, he's been one of the better backup point guards in the league. I mean, he's uh, I think he's top 10 in steals right now. Yeah. Um, he's been fantastic. And it's it's crazy, too, because he was like, um, I don't know how serious of a conversation it was in the front office. But in terms of like on the outside looking in from from media side, like we were all like, oh, well, you know, he's, he could get he could be his contract doesn't fully guarantee until the state. So we're kind of waiting. So you're on our hands, biding our time. Will he be, uh, will he be released? And um, clearly that would not have been good for this team. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, um, to kind of bring it back to the earlier part of the conversation, you know, it's, it's been so much fun watching him play and the unique plays that he makes, but like also he's got the ball in his hands a little too much. The fact that he's uh, that close uh, to the top of the league and assists is a little, it's suboptimal as awesome as it's been and as much as the Pacers have appreciated that the ball should be in Levert's hands. The ball should, uh, you know, there should be more possessions that end with TJ Warren shots. You know, it's, it is somewhat of a symptom of the fact that they have been shorthanded and they've been so desperate for kind of good shot creation that they've had to put it in his um, hands a little bit. And that's not a knock against TJ McConnell, but it's uh, something to think about when evaluating uh, Nate Björkin. you know, it's not, necessarily this weird by design thing. Like I want to feed TJ McConnell as much as possible is that he needs people with the ball in his hands, making good decisions and creating shots. And there just aren't enough of those pacers right now. Um, And I think Levert's going to help with that a lot. Uh, TJ Warren, um, you know, doesn't initiate too much offense. We saw in the bubble that he started to do it a little bit. So I think you get a little bit out of that, but also the gravity that he has is sort of a a finisher, um, a Swiss army knife of being able to score wherever you put him. Uh, that's going to alleviate a lot of pressure. And I think that you're going to see McConnell's assist go down, but it's going to be a good thing for the
1: Pacers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the biggest thing will just be his minutes going down. Because um, yeah. he's pretty much the fifth starter in a lot of ways. Like um, he outplays Doug in terms of minutes most of the time. And uh, as good as he's been, like you're mentioning, like there's just the diminishing return to having a guy who's a, like, I mean, any bench player in the NBA is limited in some, some, some regard and for tj it can be i mean he can be a plus defensively but when he has to guard jamal murray he's not um and it's it doesn't matter i mean he's a good positional defender but he just doesn't have the length or the size to bother somebody like that and you see that play through and like it's not a knock on him it's just that's that's the state of the roster right now like you're mentioning um in terms of looking at oh yeah sorry go ahead well
0: i just want to add one more quick thing there is that one more tiny thing that i think is maybe a silver lining on here hopefully the development of some of uh, the rotation guys, Edmund Sumner, definitely comes to mind. I mean, the fact that it's been a while, the Pacers haven't done a great job of, of taking some of those younger guys that are a little bit of projects and being able to make them productive rotation players. Most of the guys that they've ended up getting that have been in the rotation have been uh, cast offs from other teams. Um, And of course, uh, you know, trade acquisition players that are major stars. But I mean, like the Doug McDermott, like they got to go out and sign Doug. They got to go out and sign Justin Holliday. Being able to develop a subner into a legit rotation wing. I think um, if uh, Bjorken is able to do that successfully, I think is a real big uh, point in the favor of having a coach like Nate, because the Pacers need to get better about doing stuff like that. Um, And then having someone that maybe isn't just. Hey, he can shoot. Stick him in the corner and let him shoot. You know, um, having someone that is a dynamic defensively, that is a, a dynamic in the open court with its speed, uh, that could kind of change games in um, small ways like that. You know, I don't think he's headed for any All Star games anytime soon. But having uh, a guy like that being able to develop them. Seems like there's a lot of other good franchises you get kind of jealous that they have a guy like that um, or two on the bench. Uh, Pacers being able to do that in a homegrown way uh, would be a big boost to the Pacers franchise, especially one that's a small market, can't go out and spend big money in free agency, isn't necessarily the biggest free agent target. Being able to pick up guys like that in the second round or late in the first, you know, that's what they wanted out of Solomon Hill you know, and it didn't, they couldn't make it happen. And it looks like maybe uh Sumner can be that kind of development project. And so uh, that gets a uh, honorable mention as a, as a cool thing for the season as well.
1: Yeah. Shout out to Solomon Hill in the playoffs though, when he just, <laughs> he shot like 45% from three in a seven game yeah. series, he was, um, you know, a seven tenths of a second away from being a legend. Exactly, man. Yeah. And then he parlayed that into a tremendous deal. Um, yeah, and he loves bone and wings. Okay, we will get to that later. We're almost to that. We're almost to that. What is one thing that you haven't liked about this year? Or that has been, not even to not even paint it negatively, but like, what's something that you were maybe expecting to be different uh, that hasn't been, that isn't injuries? Well, I don't know, because
0: I just find myself hard to get really invested in the way that I'm typically invested. Like... You know, obviously, you know, kind of just watching the games and, you know, maybe a little bit more of a background thing, but less of a analyzing every play. I'm not going to really probably ever do that again. You know, when I had yeah, the podcast, I, I would watch every game twice and I'd be breaking down film and I'd be looking at stats every single day. Um, uh, but I, I, I'll i never probably go back to that. But I'm not watching it as closely as I used to because it just feels like a little bit of a, of a waste, like this team Exists in this little nexus for a little bit of time but I think when they're going to get healthy it's going to transform a bit and it's hard it just sort of makes me sad a little bit to see Sabonis and Brogdon play so many minutes and then just trying to once again grind out victories. Um, I've been itching for a new era of the Pacers where they are a lot more versatile and a lot more forward thinking Um, and it just feels like it's kind of half started now. Um, And that plus, you know, no fans being at the games or I mean, there are a few, of course, but it's just not the same sort of deal. I can't go get tickets to the game. I mean, I could actually, uh, but uh, I'm choosing not to go right now. Um, It just feels like it's a false start, so to speak, or that it's the kind of unreal right now of the start of the Pacers season. Um, And that's been the, the weirdest part of it. It's just five starters crowd. Let's watch the Pacers play. You know, I've, I've, I'm very hungry for that. Um, it was the beginning of this season. I couldn't believe when the when the season opener started. It felt odd that they were playing basketball. It still feels a little odd that they're playing basketball. Um, I'm hoping that in the next few months, everything coalesces. Things return to back to normal a little bit a closer than it used to be. Everyone gets healthy. I know that you kind of banned me from that answer a little bit, but it really is. It's no, just, no, um, it's fair. It, it, it feels unreal right now. It feels like some weird zombie Pacers and um, that the real team is going to show up a little bit later. Um, it just doesn't It doesn't feel the same watching games now as it did a year and a half ago for all of those reasons. And, um, um, you know, it's another thing that that feeling of being in the era of COVID versus uh, Pacers. And it's that one's feeding into the other a little bit here. But. I think we're all ready for things to go back to normal. And, and that's the thing that I'm looking forward to most.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's so, uh, you bring up a good point because I, I hadn't really thought about it. I feel like I've been, in some ways, a little bit too good at shutting it out because I, I mean, I, I use basketball as my excuse to to not pay attention to anything else. Right. Sure. I, I mean, I love it, it, which helps. But like I, uh, I was going back to last year and looking at, um, Ah, gosh, I'm trying to think. I was looking at like Malcolm's pull-up shooting or something like that. And uh, so I was watching all of them this year just to see what it it looked like. And and then I went back to last year. So it was different. And I was like, oh my God, there are people on the baseline. Like it just like things like that, that are so small. Like, but then I saw it, I'm like, I forgot. Like, that's what basketball looks like normally. And it's just, it's so different. Um, And like you mentioned, I mean, I normally try and watch uh, every team at least once or twice a week. Um, and it's just so hard to know who is what, you know, like, I think you can see some teams like Utah has been healthy this year. So I, I mean, I'm pretty confident that they've been what they've been, but then you look at like, uh, I mean, a lot has been made out of how the Lakers have struggled recently. I'm like, well, they've had like three of their top five guys out and they always have one or two bench guys out. Like there's, and that's every team, you know, other than like two or three that have been lucky with, with health this year. Um every team has just been rotating guys out of the lineup regularly, whether it's due to COVID or injury in general. And um, I'm interested to see just from a pure, like um, like empirical standpoint, what this looks like at the end of the year in, ter- in terms of injuries related to, to other years. And hopefully it's uh, it's not anything starkly different, um, but I've been, I don't know. That's definitely been pertinent in my mind. And it's hard to, to, to really analyze things top down and, um, get a good grasp on everything and I, I think that's how I felt about the Pacers largely like I kind of wish in some ways that they hadn't started eight and four because I think that really and I know that sounds terrible but it's like I, I want them to succeed obviously in, in in observing them and like covering them but at the same time I thought it gave uh, kind of the wrong perception of the team not that they weren't good like I thought if you keep Victor then the team is that good. But I think a lot got made out of the idea of like, oh, well, they're just going to be able to continue doing what they were doing without him. Um, and, it, I mean, clearly not. The, the team has been pretty pretty rough since then. Um, and I, I wish that things had, had worked a little bit differently than that so that the – I feel like some of the expectations have been a little bit too high of the team.
0: Yeah. You know, it's um, it's also – Again, we talk about setting up expectations. You know, when it found out that uh, LeVert had that diagnosis, there's a lot of people said, it's really cool what the Pacers are doing. They're going to ride with him any, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they'll struggle a little bit, but, you know, they'll be uh, better long-term, and it's really cool that they are kind of going forward with it. But this is what it looks like. You know, this is – you talk about that 8-4 and four start. Like you said, you had Ola Depot and he wasn't perfect, but he was playing pretty good basketball, you know, and he was he's just a – a, a guy that was initiating offense and creating offense and creating some uh, a little bit of havoc on defense and that's a lot to miss you know i don't think he was 100% the last um, vintage Depot, but you know that's it really hurts to, to miss guys like that so um it's uh, I'm very excited to see everything come back together and um you know see Karis become a big part of the team
1: yeah yeah i agree man and I, i'm psyched too because he's just like from everything i know awesome dude uh he grew up not too far from me in ohio so uh I've, he's been nice. on my radar for a while um so yeah that'll be really cool just to see a how it fits in basketball wise because i've always enjoyed watching his game he's got like a really herky-jerky style and yeah uh, he's just uh, got an interesting kind of athleticism to him um so he'll be fun Uh and I I really enjoy this team. I mean, another thing that I like pointing out too. I mean, the blue alternates are just fantastic. Having the blue alts, the the pinstripes back, has been a a nice part of the season for sure.
0: That's a great point. I think it's one of the best uniforms they've had in a long time. Um, I I think everybody loves the Flojos. Obviously, it was a classic era, and I think that the name's cool too. And I love the Flojos too. But like, I've always preferred the pinstripes a little bit. Me you too. Know, they made that switch um, initially. I was like, oh, that's, these are better uniforms, I thought at that time. And, you know, it's, uh, uh, they obviously had a lot of success there too, but it's still like most of the classic Pacer memories are, are really Flo um, You know, getting to the finals is amazing, but also, you know, you, you, 8.9 seconds, that's a flowjo jersey. But I love the pinstripe look. I think the color scheme um, is really cool. It's a pre- pretty close to that old ABA I mean, I, you can't see me at home, but I've got the ABA logo on, on my hat right now that's uh, that color scheme and this logo is kind of one of my favorite looks I think that those uniforms were a little plain. Um, but what you combine the actual look of the logo and that color with the modern look of the pinstripes I, I it might be my favorite uniform they've ever had Really, honestly um, it, it doesn't have quite the sentimental value that always adds to a uniform in the way that it looks um, you know if the. The Celtics rolled out their current jerseys right now after having like kind of a wild one, they'd be like, what are these? You know, it's like that 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 uh, memory sense does make it look a little bit better to the eye. Um, We don't have that quite yet, but like, you know, it might be my pick of the best thing that they've kind of produced for the uh, department. So um, that's encouraging. Less encouraging is the uh, all star uniforms that were clearly intended to be in Indiana. Those were not as good. I love, uh, uh, love's a big word. I like the Pacers uh, logo uh, from like kind of the 80s that has the stripe through it. Um, That's a cool one. Wasn't quite incorporated the same way. It almost, ironically, it seems like they made these uniforms too far in advance to change, but it also looks like something they whipped together in about five minutes. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah, that's a good one. I'm not a fan of that, of the circle number. Yeah. I mean I know Circle City, I probably that was what made them want to do that. But somebody at Nike's like making these uniforms. And so they're like they write something down like Circle City, like, okay, we'll put like a circle on it. We'll put a bunch of circles on stuff. And it just
1: uh, not a fan. And yeah, you know, no, it wasn't good. It was not good. I did not I, I'll be honest, I didn't watch All Star. I did not I didn't have either. I, I just didn't That's um, why I didn't want to do it Monday. <laughs> yeah. Not to sound like all high and mighty, but I was just like, Yeah, I just don't care enough, man. Like I don't wanna it's not like I don't think that the game should have happened. I, I think yeah. it was just like whatever, just give the guys a week of rest. Yeah. Um, I do know just got hosed in the dunk contest, yeah. Um, I, did, apparently. I did a
0: shout out to uh, uh, to John Washburn, um, who I bet is listening. Um, the I sent him a text that said, Hey, uh, are you watching the all star game? He goes, Yeah, I said, When well, it's halftime, text me, and so. I got that and I, I turned it on I watched the dunkow test I regretted that and then I turned it back off, I will say that you know Kesha's messed up because he's got a. Okay, so you know when you know obviously they do like the the kiss the rim dunk that wasn't really a kiss the rim dunk he blew the kiss he's like I you know so you know look at the replay look at what I did he should have looked at, pointed to his leg. Like he, he should have done like left leg, left leg, left leg. So that when they watch the replay, they're like, oh, he dunked it under the the, the, the the foot that he jumped off of. That's what makes that so cool. And he dunked it lefty, you know, like that. He needs the if there was one lesson that he has is he needs to kind of market that up a little bit or look at the camera and tell him what he did so that they know they'll look at it on replay. I just think they just straight up didn't realize
1: that. Yeah,
0: it just yeah, seemed kind yeah. of obvious to me because no one mentioned it. The score was low. And then um, on Twitter, once everybody sort of realized what actually happened in the dunk, everybody was talking about how cool it was. Kind of market yourself a little bit. That's 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 part of the deal, you know. Marketing is it. You know, that's, there's a reason why Oladipo uh, went with, with the Black Panther mask. You know, it's uh, you got to put a little sizzle on it sometimes. And and he was missing that a little bit. But yeah, that was that was a good dunk, and it just broke my heart when he gave up on the second dunk and then did the, the did the normal one.
1: Hey, at least he didn't do the Daryl Armstrong layup. Do you remember that? I wasn't I was I was I was I definitely wasn't old enough to to like yeah. witness it in real time. Uh but I've been aware of that for a while and I that always uh, is hilarious to me because he just goes and sits down on the bench right after he does <laughs> the play. Up. Well
0: I believe that he said that he had a real cool dunk that involves Sabonis, but they're gonna hold it the next year.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, he said Sabonis was gonna come out if he went to the finals. Well, it's 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 little presumptuous to think that he's going to be back. And then some is going to be back, too. But, you know, yeah, hey, right. you know, I burn
0: the candle, baby. You know, they'll hold anything back. You have a whole year to think of another one. You know, and you might as well do it right then. But uh, Start practicing it, now. I mean, come on. Start practicing now. You know, um, it's uh,
1: get a YouTube channel. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Um, well, I do have before. OK. Well, I guess we got to talk about boneless wings, but I'll, <laughs> let me fire off one more bad take before boneless wings. <laughs> I like the gray city edition jerseys. I know people don't. I the, like them. Oh, the grays. I like the gray ones. I know what? if Tony's listening to this, I'm sure Tony's like,
0: how, why? Like
1: things. what's a reason? They,
0: well, they are, you know
1: what? They are the boneless wings of, of uniforms. So, but, oh my God. Uh, They're good jerseys. Like I don't see what's wrong with them. I get that gray is not part of the pacer color size sam- sample, color palette, whatever you want to call it. I like them. I thought as an alternate jersey, they were fine. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I get it. I mean, it was the Tyreek year. So, of course, people don't like the jersey, <laughs> but like, it was, I, I always thought it was a fine jersey. I enjoyed it. Whenever I played 2K, when I was still playing 2K, I, I would use the Gray City Edition jerseys.
0: So, I think a gray uniform is cool. I think you can pull it off. Um, I think that the font's ugly. It's just a bad font. Um, looks like something that you um, literally like if you go to like word art in Microsoft word and you put like italics on it, like it'll look, that's what it looks like. Um, uh, so that's kind of a bummer. Um, and then it's just, it's just so plain. It's growing up. Actually here, here's a quick little story. So I did, I've done my laundry since I was like nine or 10 or whatever. Like parents taught me, I always did it. Self-sustainability thing. Well, one day I hear about the the existence of bleach and I'm like, Oh, I'll, I'll put bleach in my clothes. make oh, clean. No. Nice. Yeah. So I bleached all my clothes. And so like, Everything that I owned was nuked um, all at once. And so my mom's like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) And so she's like, "Okay, we're going to go to Value City. We're going to go to Value City and you're just going to we're going to buy a whole new wardrobe for you right on the spot so you can not be naked. And so I ended up wearing like I think I had Arizona Razorback shorts because they had just been in the title game. I had some Phoenix Suns because they had just been uh, in the NBA Finals. So this was would have been 92, 93, something, whatever that was, Mm -hmm. uh, which uh, puts me about nine years old, I think. Um, And um, well, actually, well, okay, sorry. No, it wouldn't have been 93. It would have been 95 because it would have been a couple years after that happened. So it would have been the teams that were in the title games about two years ago. Okay. So probably about 95. So probably about 11. Um, But uh, I I end up uh, nuking the whole thing the not only did i get like teams that had been in the title game like two years prior but i also got like the most generic versions of the stuff that they had so it's like gray like shorts with the holes in them and like a phoenix suns logo on it you know like and so it, it i i got made fun of at school for wearing stuff like that so you know it's toughened me up i guess in the end it was worth it but um i had all these like a white socks shirt that had those holes in it and that was a generic looking thing, got clowned for it. That Pacers uniform looks like something I would have bought in value <laughs> city in 1995. That was a cheap, dirt cheap version on liquidation several years after they were relevant uniforms. And that's why I don't like them. It just looks like that. I'm sorry. I mean, it looks like Pacers uniform brought right to right you now. by. I, I
1: can't, I, this is, this is slanderous. I don't, the, <laughs> it's okay. You know what? This is, We'll, we'll continue on this another day. Now we get to talk about boneless wings. <laughs> yeah, I know man. this has been a hot topic, uh, <laughs> largely my own doing. Um, I really think boneless wings are just flat out better than than flats and drums. Better is um, interesting. Better, better is interesting. Superior, I didn't know it was going to be better. Um, well, I mean, they are wings. Boneless no, wings no. are wings. Yes, they are. It's, Literally not wings. It doesn't. You don't just call them boneless. Soccer is wings. They're, they're both round. They both have goals. No. <laughs> Let's see, this is different. If I pull up a menu right now, like uh-huh. if I go to like Wingstop, I can get boneless wings. It says boneless wings on the menu. They are boneless <laughs> wings. You know, it's you. So you've actually made a brilliant point because you backed me into a corner because when that's we my have point. The,
0: that was, yeah, the, I've been, been waiting for this. Well, because when we have the people have the hot dog as a sandwich conversation, I will say like food is defined by culture. You know, anything could be anything. We whip something up in the kitchen, we give it a name, we serve it to each other in social situations, and then we put it on menus and we sell it to each other. That's what defines it. And then going for actually dictionary definitions and some sort of like science genus sort of uh, etymology is ridiculous. It's like we define food, a hot dog isn't a sandwich. That's the whole argument. So you actually made an argument. If I wanted to say that boneless wings weren't wings, you just use my own argument to prove that boneless wings are wings. So kudos to you. I'll
1: concede that one. I'm oh wow I I'm I'm going to be on my high, high horse for a while. Uh, in I, the don't I don't get check made much. On, uh, <laughs> pod description on Twitter is just going to say Mark beats Dave in boneless wing uh dictionary con. Well, con- oh, oh yeah, the like dictionary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The
0: definition. I'll concede the definition. You you bonus But they're big.
1: okay, I just like I don't I don't have to get all messy eating a boneless wing. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the great part. I can eat with a fork. Um, I don't like okay. getting sauce all over my hands. It's gross. Uh, okay. Oh, so you're forking it. it too. Oh, I do fork. you're back. People, they're back people, to not being wings. People they're eat back boneless to not being wings. wings with you. <laughs> but how do you, why, why would you eat a, a boneless wing without a fork? Like why would you pick up something that has sauce on it? Like what yeah. is the point of getting your hand dirty when yeah. you can use a fork? Right? Like, am I crazy? you know
0: if you're gonna if you're gonna stoop that low, you might as well um, I think that, oh
1: <laughs> you don't want to know how many times I've tried to eat regular wings with a fork Dave ah. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have out well, of myself no, there, <laughs> but I, I I don't like them they're just like you don't even get that much meat on them you have to take so long to eat them like you get shit in your teeth It's just like ah, uh, it's all gristly. I'm not a big fan Okay, I'd rather have a boneless wing and boneless wings can be like kind of crispy too. I know regular wings can, so I'm copping out there. But
0: oh, that's that's okay. So that's an actually an interesting point because it's uh, it maybe raises the question about where where you kind of getting the wings from, and where they're coming from, and all that sort of jazz. Um, I will say that I don't care if people prefer bonus wings, and you know, it's all,
1: it's just more of a narrative. you are the one person on Pacers Twitter who does not care.
0: What's that? I said oh the one, a, the one person. Oh no, I always tweet about it. always yeah. tweet about it. But it's more because I'm passionate about wings, and I like wings a lot. Yeah. Because there's a big difference. It's a different kind of food. That's that's. It's not necessarily about, like, slamming uh, boneless wings or being chicken nuggets and being, like, childish or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. But I just really like wings, and I think that great wings are, are truly great food. Here is my passionate defense of chicken wings. It starts with white meat and dark Okay, so uh, there's a difference between white meat and dark meat. You know, the chicken breast is is white meat and the chicken thigh is dark meat. Do you know what the difference between white meat and dark meat is in practicality?
1: No. Okay,
0: so it's actually, you know, would you, you, if you took a chicken and you raised it like in a matrix like stasis and it didn't do anything and then you plucked it out and then as, as an adult and you cooked it and ate it, it would be all white meat. Um. Which is actually kind of funny, because like when Keanu Reeves comes out in the Matrix stasis, he's ripped, but that's a whole other topic yeah, that we don't have time for. But the, the reason why it's dark meat is because uh, it is saturated with uh, like proteins uh, because it is used a lot. So think of a chicken like walking around in a chicken coop. Of course, there's factory farms. And that's, again, not enough time to talk about that topic. But, you know, they're using their legs a lot. And because they use their legs, that the that muscles get saturated with proteins, and that makes it dark. Uh, dark meat is more flavorful. Uh, it is richer. It's not as good, healthy for you, which is a one reason why we don't eat it um, nearly as much. There's also a lot more chicken breast meat than there is leg meat. That's another reason why we eat chicken a uh, chicken breast so much. But you know, you take chicken breast out, you peel off the skin, you process it. That's the easiest thing to do. It holds up a little bit better when you process it, which is why we use it for nuggets. Um, and you know i'm not calling boneless chicken wings nuggets but i'm saying it is the same process, um, but chicken wings are interesting because it's kind of like a tweener. Where you use you know they're they they do not have hands, so they don't use arms as much as we do, but they do use it a little bit, so it has kind of that flavor of white meat but it has a little bit more of the richness that like a red meat does. And that is a big part of it. Like that unique type of chicken flavor is only available in the chicken wing. Um, And depending on where you're at, it can kind of uh, oscillate how much of that red uh, uh, meat quality there is to it. But but it's a different kind of meat. And so um, like, if you go to the, imagine you're in the mall, you're in the food court, you're walking around, someone has a tray, they hand you a sample. What's that sample? What are you eating? It's usually the same know. thing. It's probably a like, chicken breast, right? Well it's like chicken no well, okay. So here's the thing. It's 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 like like bourbon chicken, usually is what yeah. it is. It might be something a little bit different. When you get that plate of, like, Asian chicken and rice and such, which I know you're a big fan of rice. You know, I do that. love
1: rice. So oh, yes. That was another take. I, I started getting dragged for that one today. We don't get time for that. We'll,
0: we'll do <laughs> yeah. it in the next experience. Yes. But
1: the,
0: I I probably – out of those three, I probably eat rice the most. I'm, oh, me I'm too. Exactly. That. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, pasta's better, but I, I eat rice. Now, not but uh. The, <laughs> But you eat that burger and chicken, and it, it, it as the kids say, it hits different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so it's but it's different. It doesn't taste like the normal chicken and you might think Oh, it's Asian. And so it's the fact that it has the sauce on it, that sauce is different. But like, if you go home, and you right now, and you make bourbon chicken based on a recipe, it's not gonna taste right. Because you're gonna take a chicken breast and you're gonna thaw it, and you're gonna cook it up and you're gonna use it. They use like thigh meat, they're using dark meat for that. And actually, one day at home, I made it and I used dark meat to it. And I'm like, bam, I just like I nailed it and it clicked in my head. That Saturated red meat tastes different when you combine it with flavor. White chicken breast has a unique kind of flavor. It doesn't mingle with the the flavor of a sauce in the same way that red meat does. Red meat sings with it a lot better. Um, If you cook like a chicken thigh, just straight up in butter, it's delicious, it's amazing, but it's a different food. It's just a different kind of taste. And that red meat, when combined with uh, sauces, takes it to another level. That not typically there and you just don't get that with with uh, chicken nuggets or you know uh, what boneless wings that wasn't the, that wasn't a dig I swear wow. on, the whole entire life that wasn't I'm not acting I just forgot the it's not the same thing you don't get the same sort of flavor that's number one you think I'm done I'm not done unfortunately so the second thing is uh, a skin so chicken wings retain the skin um, you know like when you eat uh, like fried chicken you get a good crispy skin on that but really if you get like roasted chicken, that's when you really get like super crispy uh, chicken uh, skin. One of my favorite things to eat is to go to the store, get chicken drumsticks, dry them out, put some rub on it, cook them on the grill and eat them. You get that nice crispy skin on the outside to get that dark meat and I'll, maybe I'll put like a like a Cholula kind of sauce on it. Oh, they're amazing. But like you you get that crispy skin on it with a dry, combined with a dry rub, dried out and crispy that is just a whole different element of flavor that is literally impossible with bonus wings um, now if you go to like a crappy wing place they won't do any of this they'll just take a normal chicken wing they won't put really any rub on it any any way shape or form they'll cook it the skin won't get all really all that crispy and then you will end up torquing it in sauce and you'll miss a lot of that so I think that badly um, uh, prepared wings maybe gives that a little bit of a bad name and you can't screw up a chicken uh, boneless uh, wing. You can't screw up a boneless wing. So they've got maybe a slight edge and consistency there. But if you go to a place that nails the rub, which by the way, you know, boneless wings won't have any rub on it whatsoever. You get a good dry rub, good crispy skin. You get that half red, half uh, white meat. That's just an entirely different flavor than a boneless chicken wing. All of that's just completely gone. It's just mostly flavorless white meat with breading and sauce on top. And I just like that flavor complexity. I like that uh, um, that juiciness. I think chicken wings are a little bit juicier. I like that crispiness. And you just—it's not possible with boneless wings. That's my impression defense of wings. Just like a steak, you got to go to the right place. If you get a steak at IHOP, you'll be like, "What's the big deal about this?" <laughs> You know, yeah. if you get a really good, really well-prepared chicken wings, it is a different kind of food. I think it's a genuine delicacy. That's why bone-in wings are superior. I see the balance of my time.
1: I appreciate that, Dave. Uh, that was uh, that was a great defense. Um, I will stick to my boneless wings. I will try more, uh, more regular <laughs> try, wings at places. Try. I will try. Um, but uh, <laughs> thank you for coming on, man. Uh, you can find Dave at Miller Time Pod. On Twitter, Dave, do you have any parting thoughts before we get out of here? Um, keep expanding your horizons. Keep trying. Oh, I see. I try a lot of food. I just don't like getting my hands dirty. It's that's it's
0: all that all that delicious goodness, and you just don't want to get your
1: hands dirty. I, get some I chopsticks. I, I, I can't use chopsticks. I have tried. It's it's really rough. Uh, oh,
0: I can teach you that because uh, one of the things that actually got me my wife is that on one of her first dates, I took her to a sushi restaurant, and she said that people have tried forever, and she's given up using chopsticks. I taught her with her in about 30 seconds. It's been uh, love at first sight ever since.
1: Awesome. I'll I'll teach you. you. I can do it. I swear to God, if you give me five minutes, you'll be using chopsticks. Perfect. We'll have to to do that sometime, man. I, (laughs) I appreciate you, Dave. Everyone, of course, go follow Dave if you don't already. Most importantly, just have a good rest of your day, and thank you for listening.